Welcome to No Life Fresno. Come with us and meet your neighbors as we dive into the world of Fresno art, music, food, culture, and everything in between. Just a little bit of ambience and conversation beforehand, but I've been doing them at, at bars or at coffee shops or whatever, so you get road noise and you get people clinking and clanking around and whatnot, so. No, do your thing, let me know when you're ready. <laughs> All right, hello everyone. This is Christian Hanneschlager with No Life Fresno. It's a gorgeous spring afternoon, and I'm here sitting amongst a pile of motorcycle parts at the home of Brian Asagueda, who some of you may know as the chain stitch and vintage goods guy uh, from friend of yours, a downtown business on Tuolumne next to Fulton Street Coffee, and more recently from the brand No Choppers, a buy-sell trade business focused on vintage motorcycle parts. Brian, thanks for allowing me the long introduction, having me at your home, and joining us on today's episode of the podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. You know, just sitting here with my dog, sitting with you, and uh, it's a nice day out. Enjoying life. And I forgot to mention, Tala is here, um, a beautiful, sweet puppy. She's going to contribute where she can <laughs> to the podcast today. She has a lot to say. Lots, <laughs> lots to say. Uh, so, Brian, what's your what's your relationship with Fresno? How long have you been here? Tell us. Where does it begin? Yeah. So it begins in 1992 when I was born in Fresno. Oh. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So I've basically been here my whole life. I never moved away. Did a whole lot of traveling. Sorry about that. She's okay. Um. Did a lot of traveling, gone a lot of places, but, you know, never left, never really had too much interest in leaving. Mm -hmm. Went to college here, did printmaking, studied that, did the whole college thing, you know, and then stuck around and figured out what I wanted to do, really. Where, when, when you, she's good. I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, <laughs> she's good. She's just sitting in my lap. Um, <laughs> where, where, where did you go when you did travel? Like, mm, or maybe just, one or two places you found memorable mm, like there's different things and i'll wait for yeah, that i we're guess in the, we're in the tower helicopters <laughs> puppies um never really like did anything too crazy as far as travel i went to canada once for a motorcycle show i got invited to that was pretty sweet did you ride a motorcycle to canada no because it was like pretty cold <laughs> <laughs> we're in canada uh, Vancouver. Um, North Vancouver. With the shop? No. Which shop? Oh, the shop Vancouver? No, no. not with him. Not with TJ. Okay. Um, I met him out there, actually. Yeah, he's a rad dude, man. I used to, I lived in Vancouver for five oh, years. Oh, yeah, forget that. And I, yeah. walked, I got, went and got coffee from him almost every morning, man. I know he yeah, did Yeah, so um, when I went to Vancouver, it was actually right over the water in the linen building? No, not the linen building. It's like... Just a little like wedding venue, like right on the okay. water. Yeah. You like take the ferry across, and it drops you off like pretty much right next to it. Okay. Yeah. I think I. I think I know the I can't general think area. Of what it's called though now. So that's, just, gonna, you... that's gonna bother me. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll come to you in the next yeah. little bit here. But uh, basically, just me and my buddies did a handful of motorcycle shows. You know, like over summer, spring, and that was one of them. Basically, just like packed up the van and went for like did a three-day trip there and back oh you you went all the way you drove all the way up yeah. wow, that's awesome so we man. just like 
threw three or four bikes in the back of a trailer and all slept in a van basically for three days. And so did you did you ride while you were up there? Yeah, that was pretty fun. Did you see the sky like up to Squamish and all that? We didn't go that far. <laughs> we didn't go that far. Okay, <laughs> we pretty okay. much just rode around Vancouver. Yeah. Because I mean we're we're only there for a day and a half, so we didn't. The show was pretty much, you know, a day and a half long. So before everything got started, we pulled the bikes out of the trailer and just rode around as much as we could and then put them in the show and then kind of just walked around everywhere from there. Yeah, it's a fun it's a fun city, man. There's another club there down in kind of the same area as the shop. Um, like Lions MFG? That one, I think there's one more. Um, everybody's flat blacked out with the, that big headlamp on there. Their uh, their forks. I forget. It's a they had a clothing store and a tattoo shop and a barber. Anyway, there's 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 a few clubs going on in Vancouver. That's I can't think of what that one's called. But if I saw it, neither can I. I, I lived there for five years. <laughs> yeah, so. I forget. I forget you were on Vancouver. I guess that was when you initially moved here. I think you'd only been here like a year, right? Yeah, I probably about the time I met you was about a, a year into to being here. So, Sounds about right. Yeah. I was admiring your sweet jacket, and then we had a conversation <laughs> from there. <laughs> People still try to steal that thing from me, man. That was I a good jacket, man. That yeah. Was really nice denim. Also acquired in Vancouver. It's a 1955 Canadian workwear company. It was new old stock when I got it, and now it looks like it sopped up a puddle of grease, but I love it, so. Yeah, it's a good jacket. <laughs> That's fine. So, so motorcycles and vintage clothing, if it wasn't established in the intro, it's clearly, <laughs> we both gravitate to at least some of those things. Me, you not know, so much in the motorcycles, but with with the, which came first for you in um, terms of pursuing? I, as far as a business standpoint goes, I would say the motorcycles came first. I was always into buying vintage clothing. I mean, I pretty much grew up at the swap meets, yeah. like here with my parents. I mean, I was going when I was, before I was, they were going before I was born, you know, and then I was pretty much there every weekend since, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, in high school and not so much, yeah, I guess mostly in high school, I was probably just like walking around buying like old Wrangler button ups and just anything with like the craziest print I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a crazy collection of that, and I pretty much, like, pulled it out of a closet maybe two years ago and put it in my shop and sold it all. And that was kind of fun, you know, because I was like, man, I remember when I bought this stuff. Like, yeah. That was, I had had it forever, you know. So, that, I don't remember where we started. Motorcycles came first. <laughs> motorcycles came first, yes. <laughs> so, motorcycles came first, and then... Obviously, I moved into getting into, like, the vintage selling community when mm -hmm. I opened the shop about three years ago. Yeah. But when I was building my first motorcycle, which is the white one over there, that the buying and selling of, like, just acquiring the right parts I wanted for the bike was basically when I got into that niche. And, like, you know, I started my own Instagram page for it just because it was like I was posting them all to my personal page and then it got kind of weird because I was just constantly like posting and deleting stuff and like yeah and I was also doing like photography at the time pretty heavily and like so then it was just too much going on in one page and then I started no choppers at the time which was just short for Fresno yeah kind of no life no yeah. life you know same idea and um I mean for Fresno you know it's the no so like uh <laughs> but so that's kind of how that started, and then 
I guess I was pretty heavily in that. And then when I started doing chain stitch embroidery is when I, that was kind of a whirlwind in itself. I like bought a machine, had it for like a month, did an art hop with Root and Kurt and Cassie. Mm -hmm. And then like two months later, I got my own shop because Tony next door gave me the opportunity to like take over half of his shop. Oh, so Scraps was running both? Yeah, so okay. the room or the space that I'm in now used to be like his storage room. Got it. So that Got was it. like his back room, essentially. And he cleaned it all out because he outgrew it because he emptied the warehouse and moved it all into there. And then, you know, he had to go to another place. Yeah. So he basically called me like on my birthday and was like, hey, do you want this space? And I was like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Let's do it. So when you, okay, there's a lot to go back over there, but when you, when you got the space, were you already planning on doing vintage clothing or was it just um, a space because you wanted a space? I had already kind of started doing vintage at that point mm -hmm. once I pretty much got into the chain stitch embroidery because I was buying pieces to embroider on either for practice or got to it. like, well, mostly just for practice and then like sell them as completed jackets or shirts or whatever it was mm -hmm. and so I already had like, you know, a rack or two of clothes and then obviously I got more and but I was always already interested in vintage and was, you know, collecting vintage myself. Yeah. But obviously, you know, I had a whole you know, 300 square feet that I had to fill. So I was like, cool, let's build some clothes racks, let's get some jeans. <laughs> yeah. Let's do the whole thing. And then obviously was doing custom embroidery for people or whoever wanted it. I think I did your jacket. Yeah, you've got met. a little, little uh, monogram on the sleeve there you did for me. Yeah. Um, uh, like, did you do embroidery before you got that machine? No. So I learned how to, like, sew in high school from a friend, mm -hmm. and chain stitch embroidery and traditional machine sewing are like complete opposites fields yeah. of spectrum, basically. I mean, the some of the similar concepts, but like the I mean, mechanics of it, the mechanics of the machine, and. You know, needle goes up and down, pulls and, thread. And that's about that's through, about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> but the chain stitch machine, you know, it's it has a single thread, so it, you have a spool underneath or a cone underneath, and it pulls thread through the machine. There's a bunch of crazy gears, and you have what's called a hook needle. Mm -hmm. So it goes down through the piece, and the hook needle grabs the fabric and pulls it up and creates loops, essentially. So okay. it's just doing continuous loops through itself each time it goes down and up. So as we're like a traditional machine has like a bobbin and a top stitch mm -hmm. and the top stitch is already connected to the needle, goes down the bobbin, loops through it and yeah. then pulls up and it connects and it basically just, you know, connects two pieces of thread together. So in the sense that's the difference, but there's also what I call a joystick, I guess. Mm -hmm. on the bottom that you control and that's spins 360 and you basically just point it whichever direction you want it to go and then the machine interesting uses the foot to pull the fabric through as well in that direction and then you basically so that, just start drawing mm -hmm. I mean, you would i mean that's what makes it embroidery right is the design that you're imprinting on yeah. some level right so that's yeah, that's what much. allows you to, to have that finesse or that like 
I don't I don't know what word I'm looking for, but to be able to get a pattern like to do that on a traditional sewing machine just wouldn't work. No, you would have to kind of force it. Yeah. Which there are some people that like take the feet off certain sewing machines and kind of like force the fabric around to do what they want it to do. Oh, okay. And you can do a sort of embroidery that way, but that's a little more like intense. So what's the, I mean, what's the, the history of chain stitch or even the machine that you're using? Because it's not a modern embroidery no, machine. No, it's pretty old. I mean, I think there's like a, uh, what is it? It's like a patent year on mine, and it's like just about 1900. Oh, wow. And I mean, that, to me, that seems crazy. But, <laughs> I mean, they made them all the way through like... I want to say Singer was making them in the 40s, and I used the Cornelli, which mm -hmm. is earlier style. And yeah, I was made in, like, France. And that's what it was, the machine was made to do what you're doing. Though, yeah, right? it, yeah. Told, it was made to do embroidery. Yeah. But it wasn't, wasn't necessarily made to, you know, do, like, Mickey Mouse on a t-shirt or whatever. It was meant to do uh, design work, like... You know, like mariachi suits, you know, mm -hmm. they have all like the crazy little flowers yeah, yeah. and like down the buttons or the collar, yeah. or I don't know, there's tons of different cultures that did different things with the same type of machines and just did like patterns essentially. So, I mean, that's kind of where it started. I mean, they even did like dresses, like you could pretty much go through like any type of material as long as you like have the proper backings or you do like a skirt or. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do anything. <laughs> so it gets more difficult as the material gets thinner, of course. But yeah, you know, it's it was used on tons of stuff, and then, you know, then they got into like doing it for workwear, putting names on jackets. You know, the classic Bob. Yeah. On, you know, the little cursive. Uh, yeah. Cursive name there. Yeah. Yeah, or Paul with the weird line underneath because they didn't want to do two different pieces of thread. Um. I don't know, and then you got into like bowling shirts, like Letterman's, and kind of all that stuff. And then when you were probably like 10, you were at, you know, Disneyland getting your name on some Mickey ears or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, same kind of thing, right? Same yeah. exact machine. Yeah. Until I think that went modern now, too. So now that uses a computerized machine. Well, yeah, like modern embroideries, like upload your image and yeah, you put, just put your, your thread in there and it does it all for you, right? And get your PDF part. and go to town yeah. on it. Well, you said you did screen printing before that, right? Or printing? Um, yeah, so I did printmaking in college. Print so, making, okay. you know, like relief printing with wood blocks, yes. intaglio photography did letterpress for a few oh wow i did like a course in letterpress and that was super fun try to get into it like more seriously and it was really hard to find equipment for that also well, really expensive yeah i mean there's there's like very few places in the world that are still still doing yeah like, there was one guy right? who used to be in downtown fresno and then he moved up to, it up to his house up in course cold mm-hmm or Three Rivers? I think it's Course Cold. I think he's still doing it, though. But he doesn't so much, like, set his own type anymore. Is where It's gone to, like, computerized molds to make, like, the designs for the letter pressing. But the process, aside from the molds and the 
typeface, you know, it's different, but the process of printing is still the same, you know, the way it rolls, the way it prints, the way it embosses. Or so, deboses. yeah, instead of assembling all of the little blocks yeah, of text, you, you're now printing your... You have basically a 3D printer that, like, well, sort of. Etching or doing something, yeah. yeah. Or a... can't think what that machine is called right now. I don't know. <laughs> basically, you know, it's making the blocks or whatever it is you want to call it for you, and then you print it that way. It's still kind of, very cool though. Still not cheap if you want to get some business cards done. But in that look, way, they look great. Oh, I bet, I bet, man. I mean, there's. But you're looking at like a dollar card, and that's, <laughs> that gets expensive quick. Uh, that's that's actually something I want to look into now. Um, no, I mean that's kind of a, a natural transition. Then, like, I mean, artistically, it makes sense to try something like that, right? But now to make it, I mean, you've got. That's part of friend of yours, but it's also vintage clothing, right? Downtown, there's the yeah, embroidery so, and the vintage. And I'm also trying to figure out a new Instagram handle name because I think it gets a little confusing, but <laughs> we'll get to that later. Um, well, because, you know, everyone calls it like fours, and I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, it is, but it's also supposed to be like an abbreviation like friend of yeah. F O dot U R S for yours, but. I mean, not that I'm against it or anything. I just think I need something that is a little more embroidery or vintage and kind of explains what more of the company like is. what you're doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I also just need to do a whole revamp of the company, I feel, too. Yeah. I'm just getting a little carried away with everything and <laughs> get distracted easily with projects. <laughs> well, I, I know you do a lot of a lot of pop-ups and markets and stuff like that, and it seems like one of those those novelty things, just like, you know, I remember as a kid in Vegas getting a, a road sign printed with my name on it, you know, like the vinyl cut over an aluminum sheet. Um, but it seems like one of those novelty things that's probably, probably keeps you pretty busy, like similar to the gentleman, I forget his name, that does the tintype photographs here. Oh, like there's, yeah, totally. There's just so much intrigue in watching you with a 100-plus-year-old machine doing this. Is that most people's reaction is to stand around and watch or, like, just really want to get something done? It seems like it's automatically attractive to oh, everybody. Oh, totally. But then... So I've been doing the SAC Antique Fair lately. Mm -hmm. I'm basically getting on that. So it's like second Sunday of every month. And, um, I mean, I take my machine out there. It's in front. A lot of people just, like, stop and look at the machine. And then they just keep walking. But, like, when I'm actually, like, doing an embroidery for somebody, then they stop and realize it's actually, like, a functioning machine. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, get a little bit of people watching and, like, get interested. And some people want to get stuff done with their name on it. But for the most part, like... It's kind of funny, actually, because everyone's like, oh, that's probably for sale, but I don't need a sewing machine, you know, and just, like, walk away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you see it's actually, like, part of the booth or part of the thing, it's pretty fun. And, you know, sometimes I get some pretty interesting requests or little drawings to do or little sayings, this and that, so... What's the weirdest thing somebody's asked you to do? <laughs> I would not say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good enough for me, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't like crazy or anything, but it was just like, okay, <laughs> sure, like we'll do it. Whatever you, know? you want. Come right? back in ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> hang out and watch. A, an, an insert here on the back of some some jeans or something. I don't know. No, not kidding. that bad. Not that bad. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that that's a lot of work to do those those markets, and I actually. Uh, when I was living in Vancouver, I, I worked in an antique store and went did picking and estate sales and things like that. But uh, like, how do you 
it's a lot of work. How do you prepare yourself for those? And like, what are your expectations when you do markets like that? Oh man, I mean, everyone's a little, every market's a little different. I mean, I've gone down towards Oceanside and done stuff at Ransack, which are good friends of mine. Mm -hmm. They have an amazing vintage shop down there. Um, and those are always great. It's always fun. I mean, tons of people come out out there. And then SAC Antique Fair is just like an entirely different world, essentially. I mean, it's like Ransack is like vintage, you know? Like you think you're going to go out there and get some clothing. That's going to be it. When you go to a SAC Antique Fair, it's like, you know, it's Antique Fair. It's just everything. The whole span of it is so different. So you get a lot of people who are coming... And it's like, oh, clothes, and they just walk by. And some people are, like, specifically there to buy clothes. Yeah. So you really never know what you're going to get out there. So I don't even know. It's just, <laughs> it's just such a different world. Because I do motorcycle swap meets, too. Yeah. So I'm kind of all over the place as far as, like, doing motorcycles. Then the next week I'm doing vintage. And then next week I'm embroidering at some shop or something. Yeah. Or I'm at my shop or art hop, you know? Yeah, so I mean, it's the ex expectation for each event is just super different. Just different, yeah. And I don't even know how to explain Where, it. Which one are you most comfortable at? Is that motorcycles? Like you feel like it, it isn't work or... It, I don't think any of them I can really consider work. Yeah. <laughs> like they're all really fun and I always have a good time. I think the motorcycle events are always the most fun because it's always like a wild card. Like yeah. you can go out there and there will be somebody just with a trailer full of parts and they're like everything is five dollars yeah like each part is five bucks like it doesn't matter i just, just don't need it them. yeah just take it <laughs> and you can you know that can add a quick yeah. depending yeah. what they have <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that's super fun and i've like walked away with some crazy stuff for five bucks and the people you know knew what they were they just literally needed it gone yeah and then even antique fairs or uh, vintage places. Sometimes you just find somebody just, I mean, it's just the luck of the hunt in anything, you know? You walk into a thrift store and find like an amazing t-shirt for a dollar or mm -hmm. find that denim jacket from that Canadian workwear company yeah. and like, you never know. So it's all fun. And then there's obviously vendors like, who know what they have and the price tag hurts, but yeah, that's just what, it is, you know. That's how the market goes, no matter which way you spin it. Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, I for a long time, obviously, in, like, the 2010s, you know, antiquing and, and reselling and all that's, like, highly popularized by pop culture and television, right? That, like, I think there's a perception of a lot of people uh, that anybody can do it. But I think the trick, and maybe you can confirm or give your opinion on this, is, like, thinking what you have is valuable for versus actually knowing what you have is valuable and when you're when you're out buying because you have limited resources understanding what market you're trying to sell to right yeah like how do you it's a it's fucking cutthroat out there when oh, you're yeah, trying to crazy. buy stuff to resell <laughs> right because you're not the only one that knows yeah. what you're looking at right so how like don't give away your secrets obviously i know everybody keeps their their sources to themselves but like it's it's really hard to make a living doing that kind of thing how, like how do you survive what's your like what do you do for yourself to survive in that 
Well, I mean, obviously there's a crazy competition out there and, you know, like there's big ticket items, there's small ticket items, there's just knowing what's valuable, like you said, and knowing your market or knowing even who to sell to, I guess. Yeah. So because I do so many different, like, swap meets or markets or vintage or motorcycles or just kind of like weird collectible things, I guess you could say. Um, just kind of, I don't know, just basically just as long as you know you're going to make money on it and you have the market to sell it, yeah. go for it. Yeah. If you think something is really cool but maybe it's too expensive but you have nowhere to get rid of it, maybe you don't quite have the Instagram market for that to yeah. sell it or you don't go to events like the Santa Antique Fair, so I obviously can't sell, like, that cast iron stool, you know, somewhere here, mm -hmm. or, I don't know, it's just plain and smart. Yeah. Obviously, there's always competition, so you may not get the best thing in the thrift store that day, but you can get the second or third best. Yeah. So, so on, on that I thing, guess it's just plain Yeah. doing what you can. I mean, there's a lot of learning that goes into it. Oh, there's tons of learning. Right? Yeah. yeah, and then it's just, you know, being first in line before the place opens. Yep. So wake up three hours early yeah. or <laughs> get there when it opens and get the whatever's left, you know. I mean, we've ran into each other <laughs> at estates at least once. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I mean, I've been to estate sales at, like, 5 in the morning and I was 40th in line. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, like, Cause... it really just depends what it is. And it's just, you know... It's all, it's all luck of the draw, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can go to 20 estate sales and find three good things, or you can go to one and find 20 good things. Yeah. So, okay, on that then, but what's your favorite find or your best find ever? Like, it doesn't have to be, you know, you made the most money or whatever, but you were the most elated at it. It's the most exciting thing you ever found, whether you kept it or sold it. Let me think a minute. <laughs> well, I'm also just like a hoarder, so it's like hard. I can't really like say what's the best or the most money I've made off a single item, you yeah. know? Like, as you can see around me, I just love collecting things. Well, I'm the same way. And if you're going to sell, you have to have volume. Yeah, right? true. If you have only I mean, have two things to sell, you're, you know, the likelihood of selling one of them is low. Yeah. But what was a favor? Like, what were you just like, yes? On top of the world. Uh, okay. Let's see. Honestly, I think maybe not my favorite, but was just like an out of the blue find was probably the forks on this bike here. The forks on that? Yeah. So we can get a picture of that in a little bit and talk about it. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I basically was at Sunnyside Swap Me when that was still a thing rest in peace to miss that place um and was just having a conversation with one guy I usually buy like random little lights from or automotive things or mm -hmm. you know anything rusty that I just want to put on the shelf and uh we're just having a conversation he's like oh like I was just at this person's house like the other day find some like car parts from him and he he had some motorcycles laying around and said he wanted to get rid of them and I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, yeah, I, could, I don't know the address, don't have his number, but I can tell you where he lives. 
So he's like, okay, it's on the corner of this tree and this tree, <laughs> and it's like a bluish color house. And I'm like, cool, that's a great description. I can, I'll go find it. I'll find know? it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I leave the swap meet, you know, and go there, knock on this guy's door, wait, knock on his door, wait, go to my car, sit there for a while, get back out, go knock on it again, I'm just like, Okay, go back to my car again. I like write a little note out, you know, trying not to sound too stalkery and like, yeah. <laughs> like met some guy that swapped me, so and so said you got some stuff. Here I am at your doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, like then I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna knock one more time, knock on the door, and like this window pops open, like next to the door, and is like, what do you want? I'm all, uh, motorcycle parts. Someone told me he had some. <laughs> So it was just like, he caught me off guard when he popped the window open, you know, and it was just like, so, you know, 10 minutes later he comes out, he goes to just taking a shower or something. Yeah. So, you know, he's walking me around his house and has a bunch of stuff. A lot of it is just whatever, you know, newer stuff, older stuff. He's just showing me the whole thing. And then there's this little shed in the back with an iron head in the back that's pretty rough. And then... Just has this beautiful, like, 10 overextended early Harley Springer on it. And I'm like, oh, that, I gotta have that thing. You know, like, that's perfect for the bike I'm building. I've been collecting parts for this thing forever. The front end on it now is not not what I want. Like, that, that's it, you know? And keeps walking me around, shows me some more stuff. Tells me about how he's ready to start selling parts or selling things, you know? And I'm like, cool, I want this, this, and that. And then he's just like, well, I don't know if I'm really ready to get rid of it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I know. So I just yeah. like, oh, come on, man. Like, I got, like, this much money. Like, I have cash right now. Like, let's make this happen. Like, I'll go get a trailer. I'll pull this bike out of this shed that's probably been sitting there for years. And, you know, it happened. Brought it home. Pulled the front end off. Put, put it on this bike. And it's beautiful. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's a gorgeous sport. Yeah, it's nice and old chrome. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was probably, like, one of my, like, favorite things. I'd never had a Harley Springer before then. Always wanted one. They just, like, make the perfect looking front end on the chopper, you know? So, that was the first one I ever got. First one I ever found. First one that was ever available to be sold to me mm-hmm. at a reasonable price. And so the other, like, eight are Harley Springers. Then. No, they are. They I just, are. I okay, found so those, now, now I found those scents. <laughs> okay, so now you've, got, you've, you've started a collection of, yeah. of that in particular. So, like, the Springer on that bike is from a... That's just, like, an aftermarket Springer from the 70s. Mm-hmm. That one's still really sweet. That one has its own look of its thing going on, you know, but the stock, big legs and they're kind of wide it's just, it's just a different it is a different i mean yeah, yeah it's a completely different aesthetic on that yeah and it has like the braised on accents and there's just a lot more going on we'll get some pictures to to share with the <laughs> listeners here we're just yeah, talking about just stuff ex- in front of us explain this beautiful 40s chrome springer that i have no idea what it is <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome okay so on the on the other end then and like you said, sometimes you don't get what you came there for. You're not first in line. What's like the worst? The worst loss. The the thing you wanted the most that you didn't get. Like what still haunts your dreams at night? Oh gosh, 
<laughs> if only I got that thing, or why I wish I'd have gotten there earlier. Or... Well, I mean, the, the, the deal that got away. So there's two. Well, one's not that bad. Let me go. There's another bike one that's pretty rough. Like, pretty much in Sacramento with a buddy, met this lady, posted some weird offer up ad of just like a laundry basket full of parts, you know, and we like hit her up, go check it out. She's like, I have no idea what any of this stuff is. It was my dad's. He passed away. I want it gone. And we're like, okay, cool. Like, we'll buy this, this, that, and give you this much money for it. Gave her good money for it. We didn't like cheat her out of anything. But, um,. And then she's like, yeah, my dad has a, had a knucklehead. And we're like, okay, cool. Everybody's, everybody's dad or brother or somebody had a knucklehead or whatever at some point. And then she brings more parts. We start seeing more parts. And we're like, okay, this chick probably has a knucklehead at her dad's house, you know? And so we, me and my buddy, Kyle, set a date. Oh, the kicker is the knucklehead isn't in Sacramento. It's in Eureka. Oh, God. So, just just shy of Humboldt, or is Humboldt County, yeah. technically. It's a whole day there and back. Oh, my God. No, so, we, you know, pick this lady up, drive her all the way to Eureka, have to stay in a Motel 6, wake up early in the morning, go to this house where her dad lived, have to like get in contact with her cousin because apparently she has the key to the house she lived down the street or lives down the street there is a pan head in the living room <laughs> there is like one room that's like knee high in parts and then there's like international scouts and crazy 40s cars and there's just like this tarp covering this motorcycle in the corner I'm like that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the tarp back, and there's just this crazy-looking, black molded, 1940 chopper. Like, maybe it's a 44. Super long forks on it. And this lady that we took over there basically was like, "I will sell everything to you, super cheap." Like, and then got to the point where she's like, "You know what? I'll just give it to you guys. I really like you. You seem really nice." <sighs> So we're like, okay. Yeah. Like, please. she's like, we, she's like, I really need to empty this house because we want to sell it. Want to just get our lives. I needed base. This is my inheritance. This is this house. And it's, you know, eight hours away from my live with my family. Yeah. So I just need it gone. So the cousin's there and we're like, cool, we're going to go get the U-Haul and like take everything out of this place. You know, we're going to do all the labor. Mm-hmm. We're going to get this panhead, we're going to get this knucklehead. We're going to live our dreams on these bikes yeah. we always wanted. <laughs> and the cousin is just like, what do you mean you're going to go get a U-Haul? And we're like, yeah, we're going to take everything. That's, that's what we agreed to, you know. She wants this empty so she can sell the house. And she's like, you can't take that. What do you mean we can't take that? And she's like, I'm the executive of the state, not her. And we're just like, that would have been great to know, like, <laughs> two days ago before we drove eight hours to get yeah. here you know she's like you can't take anything that has a title on it you, and so you know we worked out a deal we took all the parts we could sure and we didn't get a u-haul we just like filled up the back of my forester awkwardly <laughs> with this like 
one foot of space to re-sit down in there and had to drive all the way home with nothing. But, you know, we just had this crazy chopper in the backyard that we pulled the tarp off of and stared at it one last time before we left and oh, then just man. put the tarp back over it and just drove on. <laughs> oh. We, like, made offers. We tried to give her cash prices. She was just like, no, like, you could offer me this, like, and it could be, like, you can offer me $100, it could be worth $200, so I'm not going to sell it. And it's like, well, we're, like, making you, like, you know. What are you, you going to do with it? Yeah, it's like. It's oh, like, man. So it just, it, it was, it still haunts me today. Me and him still talk about it every time. Like, you still talk about that lady? We're going to go over there yet? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever find out, like, that they. Uh... I have no idea. The lady was like, as far as I know, everything's just the way we left it when we left. I'm just like. Right. Or somebody, you know, came in and did an estate sale. Who knows at this point? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, oh I can feel it. That's <laughs> yeah. just like kid in the candy store, and then the candy store burned down while he was like, about to get there. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, okay. So you've been you've been in Fresno all your life. You you. You kind of exist on like on the fringe a little bit. Like, in, I imagine all that you're doing is your vintage, your choppers, your, your all of that. You're not sitting at a desk typing emails at any point in your life, right? Like, no, I got a lot of unread emails going on. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. I mean, that's that's kind of the, the dream for a lot of people, right? Let's be able to find that something that they love clearly and turn it into something that can sustain. This is in extreme not in a bad way right no, but, right. but it's so focused what you're what you're doing what if what have you learned over the years or if somebody came to you saying this is my dream too what like what kind of advice would you give them not your sources obviously but, oh you know. i know i'm just <laughs> like what what one single thing that you wish somebody else had told you oh, man. and even maybe just as a business owner right or a multiple business owner guess like just stay focused on the goal I mean I have issues with that even now because I get distracted you know I I jump back and forth from everything I'm doing and should maybe hire some help and do things but I make it work obviously but you know if you want to do something that you love or you're passionate about or really into saying vintage and you want to start selling vintage the biggest thing is like being knowledgeable about what you want or about what you're into you know knowing the difference between a 2000 shirt and a 90s shirt is one thing you know like you gotta know what you're looking at if you want to sell it but I don't know just being focused on the goal like if you want to have your own shop one day maybe start online work your way up from there and then find that retail space that works for you. Yeah. It's just don't get sidetracked like me. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good at that. I, I hear you there. Uh, yeah. It's like, ooh, a shiny bike. Yeah. 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 My, my wife would say the same thing about me. That part um, is really chrome. Yeah. <laughs> ooh. Polish it even more. Um, so what, so what, do you, what do you love about Fresno, man? Hmm. I love everything. I mean, it's great communities downtown. Like, 
all the business owners are kind of really there to support each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got restaurants, bars now, Los Ponchos, Quail State, Tioga's a huge supporter of a lot of people, either, you know, doing collabs with other businesses or, say, getting screen printing done from Root or... Mm-hmm. Whatever it may be, Root General is a huge supporter of everyone. Yeah, they yeah. do a lot of collabs with small businesses or local artists, which is pretty amazing. Tony Super Rad, and yeah. his shop is one of a kind as far as like Fresno goes. You know? As far as most cities, yeah. Go, but you I mean, know, like I, I, I but that. I, I just, I guess, I meant like he just took what where he grew up in, like the penny candy world, yeah, and like expanded and made it his own you know so it's like people who are from fresno have been here their whole lives or grew up here like new penny candy and now it's like now it's scraps yeah and it's pretty amazing like i'll have conversations with people and they're just like man i used to love that place or whatever and i'm like oh it still exists you can go check it out yeah (laughs) check out scraps just just a little bit different still the same thing though yeah I, it's always a good conversation with Tony. Oh, Tony's a great guy. Yeah. And he's yeah. just kind of the same thing, just like loves old Fresno, loves Fresno now, and just, you know, he went to New York and came back and mm-hmm. just made it his own. Yeah. He told me he lived in Arizona for a while, too. <laughs> I didn't know that one. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he doesn't look back on it fondly, but... Uh, uh, I mean, how did you end up in Fresno? Oh, boy. Um, I've been coming to Fresno, like, my whole life. Uh, my family here, my cousins and my aunt and uncle have lived here since uh, the 80s. They run a distribution company for HVAC supply and I had a long okay. a long corporate career before moving here working for uh, an international company and I was just 13 years working for them and just had zero interest or passion for it anymore at all um, and wanted to get back to my family because I was living in uh, in Europe at the time. I wanted to get closer to my family because my folks are getting older, my nieces and nephews are growing up. Um, so I solicited them for a job and learned about their company and, and I already knew Fresno. I hadn't engaged Fresno, right? I no. had just been through Fresno and shopped antique stores and done that kind of stuff. Um, but when I, 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 a year before I moved here, I came out for a visit to look at their business and like, you know, it's very intentional move to leave a 13-year career to go into an industry you've never worked in or don't know anything about, right? Yeah. So I came and when I when I moved bef- that year before I moved here, I just spent time walking downtown, walking in the Tower District, and I, I mean, I saw what was going to be happening that is happening now, right? Yeah. The, the Fulton Mall was different then; it hadn't mm-hmm. opened back up, but you could feel. And when you go to a bar and you talk to people and you go into these shops like yours and you talk to the business owners and that, you could feel where. Fresno used to be and where it wanted to be again and the energy that was coming into it from the next generation of the community was really exciting and with the changes to downtown and with some of the developments in the tower and you know my experience of Fresno before was like Old Town Clovis <laughs> I hadn't really known this area it's not even Fresno <laughs> yeah yeah so right that's, City. Where, that's where you go you know um but I hadn't experienced the tower in downtown and so in, in just a, a two-day visit I went no, this is this is really cool. You know, I moved to Portland in two thousand seven before California moved to Portland. 
right? Yeah. And so I saw that evolution in Vancouver. I was living in the downtown east side in Chinatown and running a, a custom furniture business there. And I watched that neighborhood grow up and unfortunately gentrify into the way that it has now these days. It's not the same anymore. But you could see that Fresno was going in that direction. So I fell in love with Fresno in a couple of days just because I went and talked to all the people here. Yeah. And then went, okay, yeah, I can do this. This is a good move. This is yeah, solid. I mean, the evolution of downtown has been crazy. Like, I mean, I've been hanging out or going downtown my entire life, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I grew up on the west side, and my parents are still out there, so, like, we constantly drove through downtown, went there to eat times, or, mm -hmm. you know, walked the walking mall every once in a while with my grandma or something. And, um... A little fruit stand lady. Oh, yeah. I used to be there. You know, that was pretty great. Um, but it's just crazy now with the street opening back up. That was a process in its own. I remember when Root was right there where Peeves was. Mm -hmm. And they basically had chain link fence like two feet from their door. And, That's like, when like, I moved crazy here. It was still like that, yeah. And, like, and there was, they obviously had to move because that... How you gonna run a business with yeah, fence, you can't. walkways? So, yeah, it was it was pretty wild. So they moved into Warriors, which was pretty great change. I love their new space, honestly. Yeah, their old space was cool too, but their new one is like rad. It's open, it's huge, it's so much light, which is bad during the summer because it gets really hot in there. Yeah, you only got those window units. But I mean, I'm around the corner, so I'm talking for myself. Too, yeah, so <laughs> it's yeah. The sun is not forgiving in Fresno, but everything else about it is pretty amazing. So, what what opportunities does Fresno have, or what would you like to see Fresno do in terms of the future? I think moving pretty good in the right direction already. Yeah. So I don't can't really think of anything like in particular that like we're missing. Yeah, I think we're getting there. Yeah, there's all the businesses are already moving. I think we just need. A little more push of like the not necessarily the downtown community but like the rest of Fresno to realize that there is still stuff to do down here yeah like I feel like people still have that stigma of like oh don't go downtown you're gonna get stabbed yeah and it's kind of like it's not 1980 anymore yeah <laughs> it's, it's the you know I, I well, think, maybe not 1980 but you know yeah I mean, yeah like, <laughs> yeah well I mean there's, there's all the gang history and everything here I mean there's there's that perception, whether that's a, a reality or a forced political perception or, or however yeah. people are manipulating that narrative. But, you know, I think in the first week I moved here, it was like the north of Shaw and the south of Shaw came out very quickly from everybody in, in downtown. The first apartment I had was on Fulton Street downtown when I first moved here. Nice. And so it's <laughs> like you realize that there's a divide between the tower and downtown and the rest of the city. And I think, you know, I can't speak for anybody but myself, but I think we would like to see more collaboration as a city as a whole, but not, like you're saying, that downtown and tower is not a safe place to be, or it isn't a good place to be, or we don't, that's not a part of Fresno we need to go to to support and develop and to grow and to invest in, like the rest of the infrastructure on the north side is. Yeah, is, but I mean, it's just appreciating like Fresno's old architecture even. Like, we're, we're all in the Warner's building, you know, and it's beautiful, old, historic building. Mm -hmm. And then there's 20 more buildings that are just as old and cool and brick and 
yeah. original facades. Some of them were covered up in the 80s, and there's the brick's still under there if you want to get wild. Well, on, the, on, the, on the corner, what, uh, which corner is it? They're, they're actually doing that facade preservation. They've ripped out the old... Oh, the old uh, uh, jewelry place. Yeah. The Proctors. Yeah, they're bringing back the brick. Yeah. Um, and then there was a restaurant that was supposed to go in across the street where, like, kind of Los Ponchos is. Mm -hmm. There's, like, the old Goodwill, and then, like, to the next to it, they were, like, redoing that. They're yeah. bringing it back to the original brick building. Yeah, it's a lot of that, man. Just it's... all got covered up by, like, weird 10 foot pieces of tile or whatever. Yeah, just stuccoed over. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, they put fiberglass board behind it and threw up a threw up stucco. You know? Yeah. You look at older like historic photos of downtown. I mean, most of those it's buildings are still there. crazy looking. Or yeah. like some of the buildings were like three stories at one point. Yeah. They're not. Or like, I mean, there's tons of photos that I see of downtown where I'm just like, man, why can't it look like that still? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the courthouse is the, the, the saddest story as far as I've researched what the courthouse used to be that what they destroyed. That like? It was like a, a very traditional, like a, a colonial almost a style, like something you'd expect to find on the East Coast. And I'd have to see DC. a photo. Of yeah, it. yeah. It's it's look look it I don't up. Know if I, mean, I don't know if I've actually like seen a photo. Well, of you, you know what I'm, the courthouse looks like now. Right? Yeah, it's, it's some sci-fi sculpture it's a kind so, of a weird it's like town hall or yeah it's very very strange <laughs> it looks but like, like a ufo it was a very classic like a american architecture it was beautiful absolutely yeah. beautiful like roman columns out front and like you know this this gorgeous thing and i think you can find photos of it getting hit with a wrecking ball um you know back in the 70s Just or whatever absolutely demolished <laughs> yeah whatever backhand backhanded deals were made with developers to to you know, feed money. I don't want to get into it, but I'm sure that was part of it. But it's there. It is a shame. There's so many buildings that just aren't there or were covered up for some unknown reason. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, I feel like that's it's, like the evolution of like anything, though. It's like yeah, newer is better. Now we're like, actually, they did a lot of stuff better back then. We should probably like go back and like that's kind of like what vintage is about, you know? Yeah, it's like obviously fast fashion is terrible and your shirt's gonna fall apart in three washes or less and then well not always but you know um and just that whole made in america stand when things were actually made good mm -hmm. or like done by hand or had some care behind it yeah and there's still companies doing that now of course and like people love to you know actually put some good work behind some products but yeah can't really beat vintage workwear no, you really can't man yeah. but i mean those those buildings that they covered up back in the day or the 70s or 80s and 90s when they're facading all these old brick buildings mm -hmm. now we're like okay cool yeah we should definitely knock all that off and look at that brick again because yeah. that was actually had some effort behind it. That's beautiful building. Yeah. Hand structure. <laughs> Bring back some diversity and interest to the architecture down there. That's not just flat square walls, you know. Yeah. So we're we're like literally tomorrow is like the first summer day, right? It's gonna be like ninety five or something, ninety six oh, no, tomorrow. Is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately it is. We're on the cusp of, of another sweltering summer, uh 
what are you looking forward to this summer? Like events, whatever, just lifestyle. That sounds awful with weather. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know you you forget that we have to deal with that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a beautiful day today too. Yeah, I just went for a bike ride. So. <laughs> Bicycle. But, Bicycle. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I want to get my bike back together, go for some rides. I want to do some fun pop-ups. I want to go out to our hop and see a bunch of people, and I want to eat some tacos. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, just kind of the normal stuff. I feel like it's kind of funny that, like, everything has changed so much because of, like, the COVID shutdowns, you know? Like, yeah. So kind of weird and it's like barely getting back into the groove again like it like it was getting there and then like everything kind of like retracted a little bit and then it's like now it's like ramping back up and like fresh yes just happened and yeah. like Dang. i had a huge turnout and you know wait wait a long time to get a beer or taco or whatever you're into and yeah. it's still fun though still fun yeah <laughs> but it's nice to see people out and nice to see people downtown i mean it's good time always i mean we got so many businesses down that are thriving and so many just trying to open up and yeah just getting their foot in the door salvage trials just looks like they're doing amazing yeah yeah i've made one stop in there so far it's really the really pizza. good it's really good it's very good man. Yeah. i'm a big fan yeah same uh, spokeasy's doing pizzas on saturdays oh really with, uh, pop-up wayward pizza you should check it out really good pizza also i'm gonna be there on a saturday for the porch fest for porch fest yeah yeah go nice. watch the soul and rachel play oh yeah the uh, great Greg northern, northern right yeah yeah, yeah. So i'm excited for that i know they've been recording some new stuff too yeah right? they just played some shows up north this weekend oh right on yeah it's nice man pretty excited about that that'll be fun to watch them that'll play. be good to see i'll be there on sunday for the uh uh tasting and pairing natalie my wife Palo Verde is doing oh, the food for Sunday nice. there on a special event so yeah, yeah congratulations again <laughs> thank you very much so cool well Brian uh, I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time to talk to me uh, friend of yours downtown no choppers apparently everywhere <laughs> it's in my garage which hopefully we'll have an actual shop space for that this year so we will also be downtown for that which will be nice Exciting. So, do you need anything chain stitch, embroidered, or you want to look at some vintage? I'm always open art hop. Mm -hmm. Or DM me. Instagram is the best way to reach me if you want something embroidered. Excellent. Just give me a day or two to respond because my Instagram doesn't tell me when somebody messages me for some reason. <laughs> Haven't figured out why. But, yeah, if you want to get anything done, I mean, just message me and we'll set up an appointment. I'll meet you down there and we'll talk about it. Awesome, man. All right, Brian. Thanks a lot for today, man. <laughs> Thanks. This has been a No Life Fresno production, a branding department brand. To learn more about branding department, visit brandingdepartment.com and check out our full blog of No Life Fresno content, including these recordings at nolifefresno.com. Music by Jonathan Lofi.